I think we should, on the one hand, be very real about the difficulties of NFT because it doesn't do anyone any good to say, this is so beautiful and it's all going to be rainbows and flowers and fields if you follow this way of life. The reality of it is that it's not that, that it is difficult and that it's a process. And then on the other hand, though, we shouldn't say, well, it's difficult, so if you can't do it, that's fine. Nobody really can do it anyway. You know, most people don't successfully do it. This is Made for Love, a Catholic podcast about real people living out the call to love. I'm your host, Sarah Perla. We're talking about natural family planning, or NFP, today. So tell the kids to go watch Mr. Rogers. Is Mr. Rogers even on anymore? Probably not. I don't know. But you may not want your kids listening to this one. NFP is the way to plan your family based on learning the signs of fertility and acting accordingly. It ain't easy, y'all. I'm Dustin Stute. And I'm Amy Stute. And we've been married for 11 years. And we have three boys. And we live in Lafayette, Louisiana. Yep. Living the life. (laughs) You may remember Amy and Dustin from Episode 8. Amy looks at the way the church promotes natural family planning. We want the both and, you know, like good Catholics to say, it's difficult and it's beautiful and it's worth fighting for, even if it takes, you know, the rest of your marriage to get good at. And here are a whole a slew of other people who are also fighting it out. That's what today's episode is about, introducing you to a few couples who are living out church teachings through NFP and figuring it out as they go along. You know, NFP, of yeah, it's not convenient all the time. It's not the easiest thing you'll ever do, but it's also not that far. I mean, it's fine. It's something that you have to sort of go into with an attitude of, like, there's going to be some sacrifice here, but that the sacrifice is worth it. Sexuality is a very beautiful and can be holy thing. It's a great gift. You know, we're called uh, to consecrate ourselves to God and to each other as a married couple. And so uh, to hinder that movement of God in our relationship, um, even in the bedroom, is to withhold something. Dustin talks about how NFP respects God as the creator. You've been given this from God. You're a creature, and you have an, a nature. And it needs to be built up through virtue so that you can be generous with that gift and hold your will in a way that you can give it away. Otherwise, particularly in the sexual sphere, it can be so uh, dominant if you give into it in just a pleasure-seeking way. And it can even ruin your marriage, right? It can go down that road. And all of these sexual temptations are connected to each other. Contraception, infidelity, pornography. I have to develop self-control now we're in the FP. I, I can't just go use pornography and self-abuse. I, I, have, to, I have to orient myself toward my, my wife and my children. I have to be disciplined. I have to discipline myself. I have to fast in these ways. I have to act, abstain in these ways. Because it, it builds me up as a man. And, and I think for guys in particular, this could be a struggle because there's so much pornography that's prevalent, both in marriage and outside of marriage, that the use is so rampant. I'll have an episode on pornography in November, y'all. But can you see how the virtue of self-control is essential both in practicing NFP and avoiding pornography? As you gain greater self-control and temperance, those, those things all play into the, the joy of the marriage, the generosity, and, and, and what you can induce to your, your kids. Now we're going to meet some Canadians, eh? My name is Dax. My name is Rachel. And we've been married for 
about seven and a half years, and we have four children, two boys and two girls. When Rachel and Dax started getting serious, they were dating long distance, and Rachel decided that learning NFP would be a good idea. She didn't tell Dax, but she went to a class and started charting by herself. I was the only single person there, I'm pretty sure, and I felt a little bit awkward, but Creighton is really interesting because it also is just helpful for symptoms if you've got a painful period, regulating that, like just looking at a lot of health issues that relate to women and dealing with it in a way that's more sensitive to their body instead of just like throwing the birth control on people. Like it's one of those methods with a lot of research behind it. So I just wanted to know what was happening with my body so that I could be prepared if there were any health things that needed to be dealt with ahead of time and so that I had something in my pocket. Was it strange that she was learning NFP as a single woman? They were just happy that I was there to learn. Like It was a very welcoming environment, and that's been our experience with every method we've learned from from each instructor. They've just been really warm and really passionate about it, and we've been like really encouraged to ask any questions, call any time. They're just really loving, gentle, kind people, the people that we've worked with. When Dax and Rachel got engaged, they went ahead and attended another class, this time together. And since they both felt that they didn't have a great grasp of the church's teaching, they read up on it. Life-Giving Love by Kimberly Hahn. And yeah, it just talked a lot about kind of the culture of life in relation to marriage, I guess. And I was also reading Familiaris Consortio and some Humanae Vitae that just helped a lot. I felt like my formation around marriage was really weak. The examples around me weren't super inspiring, so I was just really hungry for some solid information and kind of inspiration for how to live it. Sometimes it takes couples a little while to become disenchanted with NFP. Not this couple. On our wedding night, I suddenly was faced with this fear that I hadn't actually experienced up until that that night, I guess, of, oh my gosh, like I could be pregnant after this. Growing up in a culture where things were so fearful around pregnancy, and it almost wasn't ever taught to me as a positive until I was really investigating my faith more in the church's teachings on marriage and family. So all of a sudden to just be like, we're open to life and here we go. I was really scared all of a sudden and and nervous about like, what if I get pregnant right away? And on our honeymoon, because we had a honeymoon planned to go to Italy, like the day after our wedding, we were leaving for Rome. And I was like, what if on our honeymoon I'm so tired and sick that I can't do anything? (laughs) And for some reason, this just freaked me right out. And Dax was very patient with me. And somehow we came to the conclusion that even if we needed to take me around in a wheelchair, (laughs) if I was sick and tired, we could figure something out. And just that moment of like placing my trust in Dax and his love for me and how he would take care of me through the different situations that would happen in our marriage. And he would be my main support, just a big reality to face. So I was a bit overwhelmed, but he was able to kind of ease those fears. And sure enough, Rachel is one of these women who is super fertile. That's a technical term. Soon after we got married, Rachel got pregnant, and we actually had a miscarriage the first pregnancy. So that was really rough. But then actually about a month later, Rachel got pregnant again with our oldest son, Joseph. And then 
just when he was about, I guess, three, four months old, she got pregnant again with her second son. So we're completely on board with NFT. But looking back at that time, it was, it was kind of hard with the reality of having two children that are about a year apart. Before even hitting the iron anniversary, which is apparently six years, I had to look that up. Thanks, Google. Rachel and Dax had four kids under the age of five. I don't know. I guess our unclear method that we were working with, we sort of felt like we were doing our best with what we could tell, but we really couldn't tell very clearly what was happening. And so, yeah, when I, I remember looking at the pregnancy <laughs> test and just being shocked, but also in a funny way, not that surprised and also excited. Like it was a funny mix of a lot of different feelings. And for some mysterious reason, the number of children you have is something that total strangers feel the right or even the duty to comment about. What is that? People don't really comment on other personal things. Like you wouldn't go up to someone and talk about their divorce or like their, their physical problem or anything. And so it kind of gets annoying sometimes. They say like, you guys must be busy or Rachel must be busy. And then we're thinking like, is anyone not busy? <laughs> Everyone's busy, but this is what we choose to be busy with. It's one of the best possible things to be busy with, having children, right? And it's not just strangers. We've had grandparents say, whoopsie-daisy, or uh-oh. Or like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> <And that's laughs> right the first away. That's that's say we're having a baby is, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people now tell us, especially because we have two girls and two boys, that's enough. Yeah. That's enough. You don't need to try for any more pairs or any other gender. <laughs> I'm going to share with you right now Miss Manners' advice for when people make inappropriate comments like this. She says to just look at the offending person with a confused face as if to say, what you just said is so socially unacceptable that you must not have said what I heard, and then move on. Try it. Let me know how it works. I think people have this some kind of concept in their heads of it being a negative thing to have lots of children or close together children, but... When anyone really experiences it, for longer than just seeing you on the street, they see the joy in it, I think. One of the worst things about those comments is that since we are relational, social beings, they do matter to us. We don't want to be seen as freakish or selfish because we have a bunch of kids. We don't want to be judged. That started to like seep into our thinking after a while, and especially with Marquette being so clear for us, it actually became... It's almost a little bit too easy to control sometimes. And I think because of that, about a year ago, I started to to notice myself closing off in a way that I hadn't felt before in my heart. Just started to feel like, yeah, maybe that is enough. And maybe this is what's manageable and this is reasonable and responsible. And and we'll still use NFP, but I felt like I was gripping a little bit too hard. And started actually to also resent for a little while the church's teaching on, on NFP. And I noticed little temptations. Oh, it'd be so nice if we could just use some sort of birth control or like every now and then wouldn't be that fun. And we thankfully never did. And, and Dax was very supportive. I didn't really know how to deal with it. And I was almost afraid to deal with it. Rachel went on a retreat that centered on prayer. 
and she realized that NFP was an area that she really needed God's help in. She started praying about it in an intentional way. Within a few weeks, I could feel like the gripping kind of attitude I had started to develop. I felt it starting to release a little bit, just like by your grace for my, my heart, I guess. Dax and Rachel also read another marriage book together, and as they grew closer, Rachel suddenly found herself opening up again, because children are awesome. It's just so amazing how he's created us as humans, that the body and the soul, and that these little ones that I get to take care of are bodies and souls that I'm serving with God and serving God through serving them. So it, it's this really amazing thing, and that kind of renewing of my my mind and heart and my time with God helps me to see those things more clearly and live it out better. And God wants to help families. And in my moments of like super duper terrible momming and wifing, it's just recently occurred to me that, wow, I'm really bad at some of this. I am super bad at loving my husband in these ways and super bad at loving my kids in these ways. And somehow there was just a bit of a grace in prayer for a while. God is just reminding me like, I am love. I'm the source of all the love that you have. And if you need more, you need to ask me for more. (laughs) So, oh yeah, it's not up to me to muster up this love, somehow just like do better, but it's to just ask God and asking him so many times over and over and over again. It really helps me recognize this really is coming from him when I see it grow. It's not just me getting better. It's him giving me the grace that I need, the love that I need to do better to love better and to be more in communion with him through all of it. I would say that it's so worth it to do an NFP. I think the joy of um, really following the church's teaching and going along with NFP far outweighs any hard parts of it. One of the beautiful things that Rachel has realized, thanks to NFP, is that it requires her to be more creative or even romantic when it comes to loving Dex on an everyday basis. In this period of time, we're postponing a pregnancy. I've been able to recognize during these days, am I doing well at loving him through the whole day? Is it an integrated way of loving so that when we're together in a physical way, that it's not faking it, you know, like that this connection is really being lived out well through the day? I mean, that could probably happen if we were just trying to have a baby too, but Almost because it's a shorter period of time during times like this, there's a real check-in of, am I living well the rest of the time? And my real love for him. Next, we're going to hear from Mark and Leslie Wolf. My name is Leslie. And I'm Mark. We have been married seven years. We have three children. And we are certified NFP instructors through our diocese, and we teach the symptothermal method. Mark and Leslie grew up in the church, and they wanted to live a Catholic marriage. But this whole NFP thing was a new concept. I wouldn't say that we were totally on board at the time we'd gotten engaged. So the first time Melissa and I really had heard about NFP was at pre-Cana. And I kind of had like the what we see now as instructors is sort of the typical guy response where I shrugged my shoulders, crossed my arms a bit, pretended like I didn't hear it. But naturally, Leslie was sold instantly. So Leslie signed us up the day after pre-K-9. 
we really wanted to live out a Catholic marriage, and we were well aware of the church's teaching against contraception. What we really weren't sure of was what we should do about that. So really did have the desire in our hearts to be obedient to the church and and believe that that was really the way to have a joy-filled marriage. There's just a lot of fear associated with what to do. You know, as a young woman myself, I have been asked to be on contraception ever since I was probably 11 or 12 years old getting sports physicals. And so I think we are just bombarded by the societal expectations that being on contraception is the responsible thing to do, even when you're, in, let's say, in high school, before you even are dating someone. Leslie was sold pretty much right away. She understood why NFP was the moral option. Not only did it, was NFP in line with, you know, living a moral life, but also it seemed to me it was fair that we would both have this mutual responsibility in our fertility. And it wasn't something that was going to be just on me. Just from like the equality standpoint, I really liked it. And in her work in healthcare, Leslie saw some of the consequences of hormonal contraception and she thought, no, thank you. The final piece this is going in less serious order was just that we really had, had been trying to live clean and eat clean. And I just found it kind of funny that I'm trying to buy organic chicken and not have any hormones or antibiotics and foods that we're, we're eating, but yet considering taking hormones, it seems so illogical to me. And so NFP was like the bright shining star as we were going through marriage preparation of like, this is it. This is, this is the solution that we really needed. So Leslie signed them up for a class and told Mark, we have an appointment to go to. We took this diocesan class and it was taught by the people who ended up being our instructors to teach NFP. So I always laugh about the fact that, you know, I went through this four series class and I was kind of had the hands folded and all that. And we see them all the time now as we teach with them and speak about NFP all the time. So I feel like I'm constantly going to contact with them saying like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> all of this information about the woman's cycle and her mucus and all of that was a bit much for Mark, who only had three brothers growing up. We're sitting at a church hall with six or seven other couples, and the NFP instructors pass around eggs to each couple, right? And then we crack this egg open. I think Leslie cracks it. And then we're told to reach in and touch the egg white and separate our fingers. And the egg white is supposed to be the consistency of fertile mucus. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh my gosh, what is, what is this? What is happening? That's really when I think perhaps the reality of NFP and what was going on really was at least hands-on. <laughs> I was feeling embarrassed about the whole situation. <laughs> I can't believe we're all doing this. This is so embarrassing. I don't even like the word mucus, and they keep saying it. <laughs> That's a new one on me, y'all. I hope we got hand sanitizer. I don't remember. We did. <laughs> I, I, just, so. I mean, I remember the whole event vividly. <laughs> <laughs> But somehow the classes got through to Mark, and when he and Leslie got married, they used the symptothermal method of NFP. Just like Rachel, Leslie was nervous about getting pregnant on the honeymoon. It was intimidating, and I do remember when we got back from our honeymoon, quickly going to the drugstore and buying a pregnancy test. Because <laughs> I just wasn't necessarily convinced that this actually was going to work. And it did. One of the things that might scare some couples who are looking at NFP 
is that NFP couples do tend to have more than the 2.5 children. If you don't have a very good reason for postponing pregnancy, it's very hard to every single month continue to postpone. And that's the beautiful part about NFP too, is it really helps things just play out (laughs) naturally. Because at one point, if you're postponing for a non-serious reason or you're not on the same page, at some point, one of the couple person is going to say, why are we abstaining right now? (laughs) What's so bad about having a baby this month? Remind me, because it doesn't seem that bad. So it is such a beautiful design to have to continue to come back to this discussion. Since ovulation is the most fertile time for women and the time that they are most easily aroused and the time that their bodies are emitting invisible messages to their partners via pheromones, abstaining on those days isn't fun for anyone. Periodic abstinence in our marriage provided a very good training ground for us because it required us to sacrifice for one another monthly and maybe a little bit to suffer together. And it helped to prepare us for much bigger (laughs) hardships and challenges that we've faced and I'm sure we'll face more together in the future. The struggle that we had, especially early, like in that first year of marriage, was very, was very real in terms of just trying to figure this out and kind of being unhappy and who are we supposed to be mad at. <laughs> I guess we can't be mad at each other because we decided that we would do this and can't really take it out on anyone. <laughs> that was just us being kind of immature in our relationship. But I'm so thankful that we went through that because what a safe training ground it was to learn how to mature so that we would be ready for more difficult things that would occur. Sometimes it's hard to get on the same page about how open to be this month. When trying to discern whether you have a serious reason to postpone pregnancy, the best way that we try to discern God's will is just to take it to prayer and to say, Dear Jesus, we cannot have a baby this month because blank. And does that reason, is it a serious reason? I mean, does it sound, if you were having this conversation and Jesus was right there, would it fly? There's no reference book anywhere that lists legitimate reasons to limit your family size. But this is part of the genius of NFP. I mean, you don't really need a reason not to have sex. It's not like, oh, you're married, you must have sex every day, or you're not doing God's will. Whatever decision you make as a couple that month, it really needs to be left as, you know, a mutual decision, mutual responsibility for the outcome of that decision. And I think we've learned a lot of this the hard way. So whoever could listen and save themselves some time, that would be good. But being able to make that decision together and be unified is so important. There's a flip side to the idea that couples who abstained before marriage will have an easier time of practicing NFP. You know, going back to the first year of marriage, it's funny, though we had abstained during our entire relationship up until marriage, introducing sex into our relationship really kind of changed things at some level because we had to learn how to be intimate again with one another, you know, without sex. And it seems odd for a couple that had abstained throughout their uh, relationship. Like, I remember when Leslie was in her fertile period or something like that, it would be us watching a movie on opposite sides of the couch. Maybe not that dramatic, but at some level, it was this kind of, how are you intimate without having sex? And it was interesting because we had done that throughout our engagement, our entire dating relationship. 
But once we had gotten married, we kind of had to relearn that. It really opened the doors for us to communicate better and say, like, this is ridiculous, you know. We can we can certainly be intimate with one another. To not have sex be a crutch for our relationship was something we we learned very early on. It increased that communication to allow us to do other things. I remember we played a ton of basketball and cooking together and things like that that really kind of brought us together in a way. I definitely think that there's sort of this sense of entitlement at some level, it, for at least for me, or you know, couples that have waited to have sex until they got married. Hey, we've made it, but we are married, and then now, you know, why can't we just contracept? But for us, going through NFP six months or so before we had gotten married really helped us through the discernment of why NFP is really the only option for married couples. And that was a tough discernment, particularly for me, I think. But um, allowing that time to really kind of pray about it and let the Holy Spirit come into our relationship and understand that it's consistent with the church and not just sort of that it is consistent with the church, but why it is and why the church teaches the beauty of NFP. The Wolves not only practice NFP now, they also teach it. The couples that we interact with are really struggling with some of the things that the culture and society pushes upon us. You know, this instant gratification culture that we live in. You know, we have delivery services right now for fast food companies, which seems ludicrous, but it's sort of one instantaneous gratification thing upon another. And with NFP, it's it's not that simple, right? It's not this thing that you do and then you see this product as a result of it. It takes a lot of reflection, a lot of prayer to understand the church's teaching on it. Mark and Leslie see how much pressure couples feel and how countercultural their message is. They try not to get discouraged by their students who are using contraception. We've become friends with many of the couples. Usually when we have class, you know, we have to have a babysitter anyways to teach class. So we usually announce afterwards, we're going out to a bar. We've got a babysitter. Anybody want to come? <laughs> Some couples would take us up on it. And it really gave us an opportunity to grow in friendship with some with new people. And NFP has enriched the Wolf's marriage. I would have never thought that practicing NFP would really open up so many graces to our marriage. I just didn't seem, it seemed like it was, you know, a way to plan a family. But it's really, it's really changed our lives. I thought I was going to just do one NFP episode, but I'm looking at all these stickies on my desk and uh, I still have too many things to say and like four more people to put on the episode. So I think that means we have to do another one. This is a big month, y'all. Four episodes in one month. If you like what you've heard today, please support this project by sharing it with your friends, subscribing to Made for Love on iTunes, writing a review, or commenting on the show notes at marriageuniqueforareason.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and all those things. This is essentially a one-woman production, so yours truly did everything with the notable exception of the music, which was composed and produced by Michael Taylor. Hello, this is Michael. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.